Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. This podcast is proudly associated with Hello Sunday Morning. Hello Sunday Morning is an Australian charity changing the world's relationship with alcohol, one Sunday at a time. Their app, Daybreak, helps reset drinking habits and is free for Australian residents. Find out more at hellosundaymorning.org. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Hi Vic, it's a bit of a weird one tonight, isn't it? I feel a bit out of sorts. It's Friday night. It's Friday night. Usually we record on a Wednesday. Well, we've recorded all of them, all four of them. Five, so five. We've done five, five now. Yeah, this them. is episode number six. Yeah, and they've all been on a Wednesday when we're sort of mid-craziness of the week with our yeah. kids and everything that's happening. But 
I had a, a, a slight injury in the week that meant I yes. was um, slurping all of my tea and coffee through a straw. Yeah. And, and uh, dribbly lip, that's yeah. my new nickname for her. Yeah. Old dribbler. <laughs> the old dribbler's here oh, again. <laughs> I don't mind that. Okay, good. I, uh, I, I bit the side of my mouth. So I was shoveling food into my mouth so quickly because mm. I love my food so much that um, I end up biting the side of my mouth. I don't know if anyone's ever done that, but it is so painful. Mm. Um, so much so that I couldn't talk. I had to postpone our podcast. Yeah, she did. So we had a big swollen lip and she was <laughs> dribbling on our little... In- we did. A- we always do a little catch-up in the week to-, to see where each other's at. And she was, you know... Be- dribble down her face and yeah, but it wasn't did, a good look Lucy I came to be along didn't I like the old soldier that I am yes and I she sp- battled on <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what happened is we had to cancel Wednesday and we're here on Friday and we're like, God, it's really cool. We're out on a Friday night. Yeah, we're like proper out, aren't we? Yeah. And we just went out for a tide. We always go out for a tide dinner before we come. And yeah, so we we felt like we were probably properly out on a Friday night. It's all been quite exciting for us. Yeah, we've been quite excited yeah, until but, we got here. Yeah, but we just arrived and obviously we always like to introduce our sound guy, Alan. But Alan isn't in the studio tonight. Well, he's here, but he's on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we shouldn't laugh. We shouldn't well, he's laugh, got no. he's got an upset stomach. Wait a second, I'll so give he... him a shout. Wait a sec. So uh, it... Our studio is very small, so basically the toilet's like pretty much next door. <laughs> Alan, are you all right? Uh... What did you are you? What did you eat? Give us a shout if you. Well, yeah, all right. (laughs) I was going to say, give us a shout if you need something, but I don't want to go in there. Bless him. I mean, I he is a bit of a moody bugger, but I do feel sorry for him because he's not feeling at all well this evening. So yeah, so not only are we on our, I feel like not only is it Friday night, but we've got the studio to ourselves, Vic. Party Party time! time. Party time with our with our Mountain Dew fresh sparkling (laughs) water. (laughs) Hey, hold on a moment. It's slightly flavoured with passion fruit. Crazy days. <laughs> Living the dream. Living the dream, baby. <laughs> so I think we're going to start today, Lucy. Our episode is called From Tequila Shots to Tiny Tots. Is that what we decided on? We did. We ha- we knew what we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about drinking um, and parenthood, but there were so many choices. You came up with about three different ideas for the title and then you popped it out onto um, Instagram, didn't you? And said, anyone yeah. got any ideas? And we just thought the answers that came through were so brilliant. A couple of them were from my brother-in-law, Dan, who actually did have a quick chat with Lucy this week. They've never met, but thank you, Dan, for telling Lucy to ditch the uh, hanger-on, <laughs> which was me. So my brother-in-law was telling Lucy that he should ditch me and do the podcast on her own because she's the, she's the real star. <laughs> I of like course. a good bit of family loyalty, don't you? And I believed every every word of it, every so, word. So the first one we've got on here is Thomas the Tanked Engine. Yeah, brilliant. Which, now, we're not excellent. reading. We're not going to say the names of the people who gave us these, but if you were one of the people who gave us one of these names, thank you so well much. Done, yeah. They've given us such a laugh. Next one, the mother of all come downs. Brilliant. Um, from cradle to rave and back again. Love that one. <laughs> Dancing on tables to bedtime fables. Pulling an all-nighter. Uh, beer bongs to breast <laughs> breast pumps. Beer bongs to breast pumps. I think that's probably my favourite. Oh, no. No, this no, is no, our favourite. This, this is, is the favourite. Who's wet the bed now? <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you, everybody, for those because we did chortle at those we at home did, this week. We did. We we did laugh at those. They're so clever. Love it. Yeah. So any any time anyone wants to contribute on to, anything, on anything to yeah. do with our podcast, feel free to do that because it's really nice for us to get feedback, isn't it? Yeah, we love it as long as it's nice and funny. Oh God, we don't yeah. want anything horrible. Yeah. Now, we before we get into our topic, something happened to you this week, didn't it, Vic? And yeah. You, you were going to bring it up. And it, in fact, it's very relevant to what we're talking it's about. It's really relevant because this week I cleaned out my shed. This is not a cleaning out shed story, I'll just tell you now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, and there was, was all sorts of different wear. tools in there, Lucy. I didn't know how to put them. Oh, my no. goodness. What did you do? <laughs> yeah. No, this is not a tool shed uh, experience. <laughs> this <laughs> is me finding... About three diaries from when I was, you know, various times. The first one I didn't tell you about earlier, Lucy, but the first one I found was when I was about 11. And the first entry in the diary is not relevant, but I thought I'd read it out to you because I found it very funny. It's me at school and I'd got back from school and I'd written this, which was, today I had toad in the hole for lunch and then I saw a dead frog on the road. Overall, it was rather an amphibious day. <laughs> I mean, what sort of child is that? Yeah, exactly. What kind of child it's were either, you? Either a total weirdo or a total genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now we know what it is. <laughs> it was the weirdo. The results are in. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, and we'll let the listeners make up their own So, yeah, mind. the listeners have had any amphibious days recently. Let us know. That is such a cool thing to what write. What a bizarre thing to say. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, the next diary I had a flip through was I lived in Thailand for quite a few years on and off for about, well, seven years or something. And while I was living there I was always conscious of my drinking but I guess I just thought when I looked back on it I thought I was just having a good time anyway I found a diary and it says at the top of the page goals of 2007 to 2017 so we're talking almost 20 years ago here something like that so yeah 15 years ago or so so the first one of my list of my goals is I want to stop drinking alcohol. It makes me very sick and causes me to have panic attacks. I black out and do stupid things the next day and I feel mentally ill, like I'm not in control when I could revert back into the old me who had panic attacks before. I do not want to risk my sanity or my health any longer. I do not want to feel pressure and I have to remember that I'm not missing out on anything. And on it goes. It just says stuff like the penalties are too much for me. I have a chemical imbalance in my head and drinking is causing me to to feel unwell and I feel like I should go to an AA meeting. I mean, I talk about my drinking a lot and how having children was my final kind of mm. wake up call. And I knew I'd always struggled when I was hung over and not didn't feel very well. But I didn't realise that my 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 battle was so real um, until I found these diaries the other day. Um, so, yeah, and it goes on to negative and positive results and and how I should not be a people pleaser, like the things we talked about in the last podcast. And in fact, then the diary goes on and every single page in there is about drinking. It's about whether I drank, how it made me feel, my plan about just having one or two and then breaking that. So that's how conscious I was, yet still un incapable of reaching out for help. I mean, it was obviously a massive thing in my life. It was huge. It's every single page of the diary. And I was quite upset and shocked to read that this week because I do talk about it as something that's happened recently. But actually, that's because a lot of, not a lot of people I know now knew me then. And they were probably, you know, the people I knew then were worried about me. But 
it was there were lots of wake up calls and it was only when I had children was I able to respond to all of those feelings. Yeah, and we talked about moderation and how long we'd been trying to give up for. And I think when we were talking about that on the podcast and also when I talked to you about drinking, which I do a lot. Um, yeah, for you, that real turning point was when you became a mother. Um, and I always see it, see my drinking going back further than that because I can remember all the terrible events that happened that I caused through drinking. So I know that my moderate attempt at moderation was going back a a really, really long way. But I don't think you really recognised yours as going back that far. But this diary is an eye-opener of how long you've been trying and failing to stop drinking. And one of the things with this, I mean, not only is it traumatic and soul-destroying to try and do something and fail at it so many times for so long, but each time you do fail at giving up drinking, you're usually giving your health a really big bashing, aren't you? You're usually giving your ego a really big bashing. You're giving everything, every part of you is falling apart just a little bit more because every Mm -hmm. time you fail, you usually go out on a bender. You might have ruined something to do with your job. You might have lost a few friends. You might have broken a leg, got a black eye. I think those consequences, I was capable of ignoring whereas a child I wasn't that's the Mm. difference like all of those things that you're talking about there they all happened but I never took heed because it wasn't enough for me to stop even Mm. though I was obviously struggling for for many many years decades almost Mm. so and that's incredible to think there are all those things you know I'm I've only got nine fingers that wasn't enough (laughs) for me to blow my finger off with a firework you know all of those things it, it was the children. Yes. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk that about is, today. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's so relevant to it, because really for you, Vicky, when you gave up, when you had kids, that really was that point for you that you gave up. But it was it went back a lot, lot further. It than went that, a, and a lot way. deeper. And it's yeah. taken finding this diary to realise. So so today's topic is when two worlds collide, parenting and drinking. So is, is that the Topic is that the title? Oh no, the title is tequila shots. And well, tiny no, that tots. was. I knew you were going to yeah. read that out, but I was just like, that sounded really boring. Yeah, after sorry. All those lovely, it, funny. Who's wet the bed now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like nice that one. one. I like that one. No, but we went with from tequila shots to tiny tots, which yes. was Vic's idea. Yes. Yeah, so today we're going to chat about <laughs> our own personal alcohol and parenting journeys. Even though Lucy and I were both party girls, the sort of people that you could rely on for a good night out and some drunken misadventure. We're also both proud mums that have very different drinking stories about how alcohol has affected this important part of our lives. Yeah, we sure do. And we'll share with you what those stories are in a moment. Um, But over the years, you might have seen us falling downstairs, puking in alleyways and flashing our boobs to strangers, which we only do every now and then nowadays. Only to Alan. Yeah, if he's lucky. I'm Um, lucky. (laughs) (laughs) We were your typical party girls with backstage passes and front row seats for every gig, festival and envelope opening that we could manage to blag our way into. So what happens when party girls become parents? What we're going to delve into today is not only how that transition tra- transition help, um, felt for us and helped us, mm. <laughs> but also how our drinking impacted our kids. So what really happens when peach snaps, partying and parenting collide? Are these two worlds ever compatible? Today, we're going to share the mistakes we made in the hope that you won't have to make them. We also want you to question how drinking alcohol could affect your children. 
We hope that by listening to our stories, you might take heed and change your drinking patterns because this might not be just about you. The changes you make might break a long cycle of addiction. And if you do manage to ditch the drink, we think it will make a positive impact on your family for generations to come. Yeah, it definitely will. I'm sure of that. Mm. Uh, So before we delve in, we want you to know our situations and they're both quite different. Um, And in a way, that's a good thing because it will be more relatable to you, our listeners. So, Vic, tell us a little bit about your parenting journey. (laughs) (laughs) So posh. Um, I am married. I have a two-year-old, a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. And how long ago did you give up drinking? I gave up drinking nearly three and a half years ago, probably something like that. And I've been married to John for 10 years. Mm. Yeah. So I guess the conclusion with that is that you've done most of your parenting after you gave up drinking. Yeah. Gave up up early on, whereas I'm quite different. So I've got two teenage girls who are 15 and 18 in a couple of weeks. And um, I am a single mother. Um, And I gave up drinking about eight and a half months ago. So my parenting journey has been mostly drunk, (laughs) mostly drinking. Yes, and we're we're happy to talk about our different stories, even though Lucy's is a lot worse than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're loving this, aren't you? You're loving this. No, my children will never know this (laughs) No, I'm not loving it. I'm only joking. Okay, so what did you imagine parenting to be like before you had kids? Yeah, well, this is an interesting one because we're quite different in our answers here, aren't we? Because we've had a discussion about this. So, look, I really had no idea. I'll be honest. When I got married, I, I, um, I wasn't ready for kids. Um, and my husband was 10 years older than me and he was ready. So it sounds very unromantic, but we were quite romantic at the time, but it was like he, I always wanted to get married and he wanted to have kids. So we were like, well, we'll do it for each other. I'll have kids for him now and he'll get married now. And um, we were very much in love. I make that sound all very uh, uh, sort of business-like. But yeah, so I ended up having kids before I was ready. So I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it. I didn't know many people who had kids. So I was going into the unknown. One of the things I thought um, about parenting was it would be great because I don't have to work as much. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Oh, yes. Isn't that Foolish. awful? But it's true. Um, and also, I, I grew up in a, I had a very unconventional upbringing. I, I was brought up by my single dad um, and he flew aeroplanes for a living. So I had a very unusual but good, happy upbringing. Um, and But I did crave the normality of that typical family. So I thought that by having kids that I was going to suddenly become this sort of typical family unit, your mum, dad, child, another child, hopefully later down the line. Um, I... I I certainly just didn't realise. I I just thought that I would change and become a mother. I thought that kind of happened when you gave birth. Just naturally you you, became a sort of earth mother type person. Yeah, I thought I would become a mother and everything that comes with that. And one of those things is to stop drinking. Mm. Um, It it didn't cross my mind um, of what the realities would be like. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, because you just think you're going to have a child and therefore everything will slow down, everything will stop. You'll completely change from the person yeah. you once were and just become this perfect earth mother that excretes bliss balls at snack time. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought would happen. Yeah, yeah the, even down to the bliss balls, Vic. Yeah, yeah I, I thought I was just going to change and that was just going to come naturally 
when I had that baby. But you were quite different, weren't you, Vic? Because you you thought yeah. you thought it was going to happen. Another, we were both wrong. So of we were both wrong. <laughs> I thought I was going to be sort of rock and roll parent. I decided that a, a baby wasn't going to change me. I was still going to go out the weekends. I was still going to be independent. I literally thought I was going to be stuffing a baby into a backpack and going off traveling around the world with it. I didn't uh, consider changing. So it was actually the total opposite of you, Lucy. I just wanted to carry on with one beer in my hand, with a wipe in the other, marching down to the nightclub. I mean, I just thought, okay, I can do this mothering thing during the week, but at the weekends, I want to let my hair down. And that was my plan. I wanted to keep my sense of freedom and independence. When I say freedom and independence now, what I wanted to keep was my drinking. Yes. So even though I call it different names, you know, I called it different names to everybody else but what we're really talking about is me saying look I'm going to be good during the week and then I'm going to go out on a bender at the weekend because I deserve to because I've because I'm a mother and I've worked hard so that's why that's what my plan was to be determined to be independent never turned out like that of course (laughs) we were both so very wrong so wrong but interesting how our thoughts were different but wrong in that you thought that you could carry on being the person that you could be whilst being a mother and combine those two worlds whereas I thought there was going to be some magical change within me that was going to turn me into mother earth you needed the booth troll yes we (laughs) the booth troll could have done some magic on you and made you into a perfect earth mother overnight no I something went wrong there I didn't get the magic spell cast upon me (laughs) I don't know where that went wrong but um, I mean I I actually just wanted to to say here I don't know about you Vic but I actually (laughs) when I did my first ever pregnancy test after we'd started trying because I got pregnant quite quickly after we started trying me and my husband were just on the way out the door to the pub and I needed mm. to go for for a quick wee and I said and we'd had these pregnancy tests on the side ready to start testing and when we were ready to we didn't think anything would have happened yet and I was showing him I don't know why I was showing him how they worked because I'm <laughs> sure he must have seen before but for some reason I was doing it just before we went and it came up positive. I mean, I was on my way out the door to the mm. pu- to the pub. I c- couldn't have stopped me in my tracks in any more of a more literal way. Yeah. Um, and we were only going out for dinner, the two of us, but that would have meant at least a bottle of wine each. Yeah. And you drank, I guess. I oh, know I didn't drink. No, because I did the test and it was positive. And, and you didn't we drink went that out. Night. I didn't. That was it. That Everything was it. changed from yeah. that moment yeah. forward in my life, and it has never been the same since. And that is what it's like, isn't it? Uh, it I remember doing mine. I the first I it was three months before my wedding, so I wasn't planning on being pregnant either. And I remember my husband was at work, my husband-to-be was at work, and I was sat in a toilet at our house, and I was extremely hungover. I had been out for my hen do the, the, the weekend before or a couple of days before and I'd ended up on that night being thrown out of a nightclub. So actually I was pregnant at that yeah. time, which I didn't know. Um, and I ended up wedged. I fell out of a bed and got wedged between a cupboard and a bed <laughs> like a doorstop. <laughs> I just remember being stuck and it was like the perfect, like I enough d- so you, no room so you, I couldn't wiggle my way out and just sort of moan, help me, help me. It's a wonder and I was that actually you're pregnant. still with us I know. today, really. I, know. I was wedged. I could have been wedged forever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was pregnant and I didn't know. So that's a terrible story and I'm very full of shame for that, but. Hey, shit happens. But you, you know. didn't know, did you? I mean, I'll, I I'll, know. Well, I will add that my second pregnancy test that I did um, when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I did it in a pub toilet. 
So um, we made the baby in a puddle. (laughs) (laughs) You did it in a puddle. I don't know about that. I don't think I can give you an answer as to where she was made. It could have been a pub toilet. But yeah, it's just that they're interesting. It's Well, your story and mine are interesting that we were so ingrained in our drinking and partying lifestyle and going to the pub that these pregnancy tests with the blue line which said your life's about to change happened right slap bang in the middle of them. Yeah. And that was how... That was how quickly life changed yeah. and neither of us were ready for it and both of us had different but completely wrong expectations of what um, being a mother And I think it's be. important to say there as well is that actually both of us, no matter how ingrained our drinking was and how it was totally who we were at that stage, both of us stopped drinking as soon as yeah. those lines came up on the test. Yeah. So it just shows you like, you like we could stop. It was just like, right, okay, there's a blue line. I've got a child growing inside of me. I'm going to stop drinking. Yeah. After all these years of struggling in that diary and everything, I couldn't stop then. But then there's a life. There's a consequence. Exactly. We'll talk a bit yeah. more about we that. We will later. talk about yeah. that more. But remembering that we knew that we were probably stopping for nine months and we were going to start again. We knew yes. it was just a period there was a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We didn't take our eyes off of it, but we didn't drink. Um, so, so we yeah, thought we those yeah things were going to be the reasons. <clears throat> I mean, we thought that was going to be what motherhood was like that we were still like Lucy thought she was going to become the earth mother and I thought I was just going to carry on dancing you know dancing in nightclubs and having a you know wet wipe stuck down my bra but that wasn't the case (laughs) so what was the actual reality of being a new mum Lucy well I think one of my memories I remember quite unhappily but strongly is standing in the middle of my living room holding a newborn baby and my husband was asleep upstairs and just thinking, what have I done? Mm. It's huge. Hey? It's huge. It's final. There's no turning back. And it's not until that happens that you realise the enormity mm. of the situation and how everything has changed. And I, I mean, I had a really blissful pregnancy and she was very much a wanted baby. Don't get me wrong. But it was just that it was such a big thing that had happened and I was not ready for it so there was a feeling of what have I done and I can't turn back and a lot of sadness for my old life which as you say is not really my old life I say in inverted common but my my drinking yeah Yeah. when am I going to be able to do all that again yeah when am I going to be able to have fun have a release you know all those wonderful things that I believe drinking was having was giving me everything had gone um And also, typically for me, um, the reality of being a new mum, I had to embrace it fully, try and do it perfectly. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, And that was something that when we talked about sort of personality traits that we have that could um, cause our drinking. Yeah, perfectionist was a really big one for me. So I had the book, everything had to be done properly. Mm. All the food had to be homemade. Everything had to be absolutely perfect. So I was putting such too much pressure on myself. I mean, really, all we had to do was get from one one end of the day to the other yeah keep the thing alive exactly but no (laughs) it all had to be perfect so yeah that was something that um I found was a real problem for me when I became a mum and I because of that I I just felt desperate to break free I felt completely and utterly trapped yeah um and to the point where 
And I felt like this for years um, because, you know, a baby's hard, but also having a two-year-old is hard and, and then, you you know, might get pregnant with another one. And so I spent a lot of years of feeling really trapped in motherhood. Mm. Uh, there were lots of wonderful parts of motherhood as well, but I certainly felt trapped to the point where I would get... Well, I, w- I would take the bins out at night mm. and I would just stand by the bins and breathe in the fresh air <laughs> and think, I'm out of the house. Yeah, like a holiday. Yeah. Taking I, the bins out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do stand still nowadays in the Audi aisles staring at avocados for maybe much longer than I should because I don't want to go home. <laughs> I have to get the guard when, to come and move me along sometimes. Weren't you driving back from your retreat the other day and yeah. you were driving along in a, in a, on a 100-kilometre a mile? Yeah, some a guy mile. got angry. Maybe you were going really, really, really slowly because you were on your way home. I had a nice weekend on my own and I was like, oh, no, I'm just going to listen to a podcast. So, and-, and that's the difference between... Having young kids like yeah. Vic has and me having teenagers and who are never that, home. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that feeling again that I was feeling like you were, is that I just had a moment to myself like you next to the bins. It's like mm. you're just having a moment of you because you have gone. For, yeah, for that's this, how you feel. Especially early motherhood when you've just got a really tiny baby when you feel like it is a matter of life and death. Yeah, I mean, for me, Lucy, it's the same things. I was stuck at home. I was isolated. I was used to seeing people all the time and all of a sudden I'm stuck in a house with a crying baby, a baby that I love more than anything in the world, but yet I still feel very, very isolated. Um, it was the not knowing, not knowing if I was doing everything right. I was bored. I was lonely. It was all of these emotions tumbling inside of me and all trying to do the right thing all the time. And, mm. you know, it's just really, really a hard time for everybody. And even while we're talking now, Vic, I'm feeling as if I feel almost a bit guilty because we're sort of moaning about motherhood. That's what yeah. we sound like we're doing. But yet we're so lucky to be mums. And yes. we we both have really enjoyed I mean, I, I, I feel honoured to have been a mum. Yeah, and, um, me too. My, my girls are teenagers and I say that. Um, but it is so difficult. And I think that's why we will turn to what our our thing was and our thing was drinking Um, and we weren't able to do that as much. So although we're talking about the things that were hard, there were Mm. also loads of really wonderful moments. Yeah, mostly wonderful moments. Yeah, but you don't want to hear about those, do you? No, I suppose they're quite boring. No one wants to hear that we did Oh, yes, and then I danced along the ocean front with my (laughs) two perfect babies in my arms. Like, I can't, I don't want to listen to podcasts like that. Yeah, I was wasted. But you don't want to hear those stories because obviously we do have those times, Lucy and I, with our children. We love our children, but we're happy to tell you that we did find motherhood very, very challenging. Yeah, mainly because we couldn't drink. Mainly because we couldn't drink. <laughs> yeah. Um, so look, let's talk now about how how the new responsibilities we had in motherhood reflected in our drinking habits. What about you, Vic? Did it make your your drinking worse and how did it do that? I mean, my drinking, there were there were bigger gaps between my my drinking benders I guess so I would I would stay at home and I'd be a perfect mum and be great and then my need to escape would build up um the long days and the chores they're just not things I was used to doing I was always traveled the world on my own I was this crazy kind of hippie girl and then all of a sudden that change made me long for my old self back again so yeah it's a difficult one really that time because 
you know, I was bored of talking about sleep times. I didn't want to talk about all the baby stuff all the time that everyone wanted to talk about. I did it politely at playgroups mm. and things, but it just mm. wasn't who I felt like I was or could ever didn't, be. Didn't do it for you. Nappy talk. Nappy talk. I just, you know, I can smile and nod along for only so long, but like, you know, what I really want to know was the nitty gritty and like what people's relationships are with their mother-in-law and things like that. Like I wasn't interested in all like those you rosy need, you cheeks. Need, you need a few drinks, don't you, yeah. to ask people about the relationship yeah. with their mother-in-law. Yeah. So I just didn't know who I was anymore, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I wasn't that rosy cheeked breastfeeding person. You know, I wanted to block her out for a few hours, at least once a month. I just wanted to not be that perfect mother I just found it so dull Mm. so I wanted it what it happened to my drinking was that it changed because I was started to drink for the wrong reasons whereas before I was drinking Mm. to be frivolous and to be fun and because I had no consequences no responsibilities and this for me is where my drinking changed compared to that old diary was that I started drinking to escape I started drinking because I was unhappy and lonely and sad mm-hmm. and I needed an escape and a release. So that is a real clear change in my drinking pattern right there. I'm really annoyed that you've said that because that was my answer as well. Oh, sorry, Lucy. I'm yeah. Are them. you reading my notes? <laughs> yeah, I think you've got... Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I've said, you know, that my drinking habits changed massively and it was no longer just a party fuel. Yes. Um, it was about drink. I suddenly realised that alcohol had so many other uses. Um, it was really great if you were tired. have a drink and it would energize you it was great if you couldn't sleep you'd have a drink and you thought it was helping you sleep alcohol does not make you sleep um if you were anxious it helped Mm. um if you were a perfectionist it helped if you were feeling anything that you didn't want to feel it helped it helped absolutely so it was definitely something i have to say we thought it helped we thought it helped exactly of course it didn't for many many years i was sure that it helped and um it it was a release to the relentlessness because that was one of the things i just found it there was there was no way you couldn't even though you say vic you went out every other weekend um for a release to go back to your old you could never go back to your old self and i could never get that release no, you never I, I never did. achieved it. All I achieved was me lying in bed all day on a Sunday feeling absolutely horrible and shame and guilt and all those things. Like, I never released. I don't know what the, even the word released means. Like, yeah. I didn't release anything. All I released was a beast within me <laughs> that came to kill me every Sunday morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, those hangovers with kids are just the worst, aren't they? Oh. they? They are no fun. And they are, in fact, what made you stop drinking. Exactly. And I, I can remember actually... After um, I was breastfeeding, I breastfed Amber my first for two months and I actually stopped breastfeeding so I could start drinking, Mm. which sounds terrible and it is really. But at least I did decide to stop breastfeeding. I made that decision to stop breastfeeding Mm. and start drinking rather than doing both at the same time. Yeah. But it was literally my my best friend said was around and I was just I was just over it. I was tired. I wanted I wanted the old me back. And so I just stopped breastfeeding there and then and went out literally Gosh. went out with with milk filled boobs that yeah. were extremely painful oh, um, no. and I I think I downed about two pints of Stella within the first half hour of being stylish in the pub oh yes I was known for being able to drink a pint of Stella in one hit <laughs> I, I... <laughs> Uh, not, not that you went to Oxford University, or, or that you won a Nobel Prize. That is that you my. Could, you could down a pint of Stella quicker than anyone else. It's my only claim to fame. It's well, my only thing. I'm, 
I'm in awe of you. Come on, let me just. I, look, I've been I've been dying to share that. I've been waiting till episode. Well, six. I'll tell you, I, I've got a better one, Lucy. Go on. I was famous at my university in Luton because I could down a snake, a pint of snake bite and black. Our English listeners will know what it is. It's a pint of beer with half cider and blackcurrant juice. Yes, that's... and I could drink that more quicker than anyone else in Luton. Which is saying, <laughs> do you know? Because I was in a competition. Oh, you see, you see, yours is way worse because it's recorded. Yeah, <laughs> I was in a competition. That's what, that's what I learned to do at university. I think I went to one lecture in like two years, but I did learn how to do that. And if anyone who actually knows Luton, they'll realise that that's quite a feat because yeah. I reckon they can drink it pretty quickly I in Luton. And if anyone um, is from Luton who's listening, please don't <laughs> take that as as we don't like Luton because I was actually born there. Yes. So me and Lucy have got Luton in common. <laughs> yeah. Not we, Luton common. We probably met on Luton common a few times. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, just don't remember it. Yeah. But yeah. So <laughs> anyway. So basically, Basically, yeah, I had this like crazy night out because I just was at this point where I couldn't handle. So I can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore. And so gave the baby to my husband and and went out with my best friend for the night. And that was the end of breastfeeding. Um, so I suppose for me, that first pregnancy, it, uh, it the starting drinking started as suddenly as it stopped drinking because I was on my way out to the pub when I realised I was pregnant. I stopped drinking straight away. And then I was sort of halfway through breastfeeding and decided I've had enough of this and was out again. Mm. Uh, but I did manage to hold it together for the bit in between. Yeah, hold it um, together as much as you can when you've got a new life mm. in your hands that yeah. you're in charge of. I mean, it's hard to keep it together sober, uh, let alone, you know, drunk, which we tended to do at the weekends. But I did find those sort of gaps between the drinking. I felt like I was doing okay, so I didn't question it mm. as much in the beginning because I wasn't drinking every day. I was drinking just when I desperately felt like I had to go and let loose. So, yeah, I suppose you don't question something because you don't feel it's extreme enough, which we do talk about a we lot. We talk about podcast. a lot. Yeah. So how did you feel the day after drinking? Because we've just sort of mentioned already those yeah. horrendous hangovers uh, when you had to parent yes. the day after. So I felt massive anxiety. I felt guilt. I felt shame. I hated myself. I hated that I left my husband to do the jobs that I couldn't. And I hated it when I used to lie in bed and listen to the front door click closed, which was him taking my beautiful new baby out to the park and going swinging in the swing and to have a lovely day out together. And I just remember lying in bed, hearing that click of the door, thinking I'm incapable of even moving my head. And the only thing I can do is run to the toilet to be sick. And yet my husband is having to spend the day with our son on on his own. And that made me feel terrible. Um, So I always made promises I couldn't keep on Sundays. I promise I won't do this again. And I kept failing and failing and failing and failing, which we talked about on our moderation podcast because I tried to moderate. And of course, I I couldn't help myself because I had actually had a problem with alcohol. Mm. So it took many, many years of struggles with those hangers and that anxiety before I reached out for help. But this is where our stories are a bit different, Lucy, because as I just said, this at that point was during that battles was where I reached out for help. When when my uh, it was actually after my second child was born, I'd been moderating and and trying to moderate and failing at it. And then after I had her, after I had my second child, I had a lovely window of sobriety Mm -hmm. and then got pregnant and then had her. 
and had a, a bender six weeks after she was born. And that was actually the last time I got drunk because it was just one hangover too fast. So I just thought I'd mention that as part of the story. Um, and then I ended up having another baby, a little sober baby at 42. <laughs> so my children won't remember a time when I drunk. They will never, ever know me as a drinker, which we mentioned. Um but for you, I know you have a lot of guilt, Lucy, that you drank while bringing up your two lovely daughters. Are you comfortable to tell us a little bit about that? Can you see me all the way out there on your high horse? Yeah. <laughs> Down. What's the horse name? I don't know. <laughs> Dobbin. Down Dobbin. Dobbin's a donkey, isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm just, just trying, to divert, to, the- I'm trying <laughs> to divert the conversation away from the fact that I've drunk through most of my daughter's childhood. Yeah, no, let's get serious. That is yeah. that is quite <clears throat> confronting to actually, yeah. in sobriety, to think about that, I guess. But it's a really important thing for me to share here to help other people because I, um, yeah, just to reiterate, I gave up about eight months ago. Uh, one of my daughters is 15. She was 14 at the time. And the other is nearly 18. So, yeah, I drank through through bringing them up. And um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, well, both Vic and I mentioned the fact that we discovered alcohol had so many more purposes as mothers, not just about taking us out and making us party hard and being life and soul. But I found that it helped me to be a mum. Or I say help, but it didn't. I thought at the time it, numbed it was helping it out, I guess. me. It yeah. helped. Yeah, I thought it was supporting me through being a mum. Um, I then had um, the breakdown of a marriage, uh, which was really sad. And it uh, drinking through that seemed to help me. Um, we then emigrated across the world, left all friends and family behind. Yeah, drink definitely helped to deal with that. Although mm. I will add, I did stop drinking for a few months when we actually emigrated because I knew, knew I had to be on form. So, you know, even then I knew that the best way to do it was not drinking. Yeah. And then came all the way to Australia and then eventually did separate. Um, I drank through a chronic illness. I drank through depression. Um, and ultimately, I drank most of the way through my kids' childhoods. Um, and then I decided to stop. Yeah. And um, it was it was uh, some people might say, was it worth it doing it so late on um, in their childhoods? But it definitely mm. has been. During that time when you were... You know, all of those years that you were parenting and drinking, how did you feel about your drinking then? Were you aware that you perhaps had a problem or or were you just it was so normalised and so ingrained in culture around you? You just thought, OK, everyone else is doing this, so this is all right. Look, it was as simple as this, Vic. I knew for a long, long time that there was something wrong with my drinking. Um, so I've drunk for about 25 years. I often say that I was trying to give up for about 15 years. But in reality, it was probably longer than that, that I knew that there was something wrong with it. I knew that I shouldn't be doing it, but it was so ingrained in me. And I desperately believed that it was my only solution to get through all these curveballs that life was throwing at me. Yeah. So on one hand, I knew that there was something wrong with my drinking. But on yeah. the other hand, it was the only solution that I could find to get through and I and I I desperately wanted to stop but I couldn't because I felt that I needed it oh gosh it's it's sad really it does make me sad I know we say that Mm. you know it 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 does make me sad for you makes me feel like I mean you didn't know at the time so I guess 
I guess it's not so bad, but when you look back on it, you probably feel like, oh gosh, I wish I hadn't have done that. Or oh, or look, do you, I, do, I do knew. You feel regret. Or? I, I, I knew at the time, Vic. I knew. Hmm. Uh, look, you know, when you've ruined that many Christmases and that many birthdays, um, yeah. and your, your kids have seen you drunk that many times, then um, you know, you yeah. know, you know, in your heart of hearts. But the need for the drink is stronger than than the reality of what's mm. happening. And mm. then something else would happen in my, you know, I did, I had a bad run for quite a few years. Not not bad like some people, but lots of, I had lots of obstacles and challenges. Yeah. So each time a new one came along, I would, I would sort of ramp up my drinking. And you see, for my children, they knew me no other way. Mm. When they were younger, I could, you know, get away with drinking and they wouldn't even know about it. But of course... When I was hungover or I would let them down on something, yes. they, they sometimes didn't know that it was alcohol, but they just, that was the kind of person I was. And I, I remember I was a hugely highly functioning mum. And even my kids have said to me, they've said, however drunk you were, mum, you would get up and make us a gourmet breakfast. Mm. You know, I, I because and I think in a way that allowed my drinking to continue yes, for so long yeah. because I wasn't, I mean, there were many mornings when I was like you, Vic, lying in bed with a hangover and not being able to get up. But I had been doing it for so long as a mother that I had, um, it had become part of my mothering. Yeah. So I had, sometimes I would be drinking heavily in the evening and I would be full of energy because I was drinking and I would already know that, okay, I'm going to have to sleep for longer because I'm definitely going to be hungover. So I'd stay up till midnight cooking and preparing food for the next day. Right. So I was managing to function as a mum and yep. working out ways to drink and mum at the same time. And as much as my kids have seen me in bad ways and not liked it when I drink, I know um, that they feel that they were given, we, we always call it like the five-star premier service of motherhood. And yeah. I managed to do that whilst drinking. Well, that's good. Because like, I guess for some people, it depends how how far down the line it gets. And also I really resonated there when you said something about how it kind of gave you an excuse because you were up, you were there with the breakfast in the morning. So it was like, look, I'm still functioning. I mm. haven't got a problem. Here I am. I'm still a fantastic mum. So therefore you haven't really got a reason to stop. You never give, gave yourself a reason to stop for stopping. I mean, I've met people recently that that I know it's people who get up early in the morning and do sport um, on a Sunday morning, mm. even though they're extremely hungover and have been drinking all night the night before, but they get up and they go and go for a run or whatever. And so that makes them feel like, actually, look, this isn't as bad as I thought. Yes. I'm still functioning. I can still get up and go for a run. So therefore my drinking isn't a problem, which is actually wrong, you know, it, you think you're in control. You think you're in control, whereas you're not. All you're doing is making, you're going for a run is you just making up an excuse for you to drink again the next time. Say, look, I got up for a run last Sunday. I'm okay, Jack. Yeah. When in fact, Jack, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Lucy. Oh, sorry, Lucy. Yeah, I'm not sorry. Jack. Yeah. I know, I know, confusing. I get it. No, well, it's I'm, your big bulging <laughs> biceps, Jack. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, I, it's. Funny, funny, not funny that you should mention the the getting up and doing the kids' sports because I've had countless mornings watching my kids play netball on a Saturday morning. And I will add, 
not just me being hungover. We'd all sort of turn up bleary eyed. A lot of the other mums. I can even remember one mum having to run off to the toilet to be sick. Yeah. Um, while we were halfway through watching a netball match. So, it, you know, it was an ingrained thing in society. It wasn't seen. It was almost like if there was anyone there who was uh, not hungover, they were the odd one out. We yeah. were the cool ones, even whilst I was a mother. Oh, we were still the cool ones talking about what we did the night before. It's almost like a we're brainwashing so... thing, isn't it? It's like we're brainwashed as mums to say, yes. actually, we're allowed to drink because we're mums and it's hard and so therefore we have a, a constant excuse at hand to grab a bottle of wine and go it's been a long day I'm going to numb out the children and I deserve this it's like this constant excuse to get drunk yeah that's in, what it is and in fact we've all driven to netball sort of over the limit probably probably and yeah. then stood there cheering I mean cheering on the wrong game I have <laughs> done that before in fact I did it the other day I did it the other day yeah. I went to Coolum netball watching my daughter play and it was rainy and drizzly and I was I turned up a bit late I dropped her off then I'd gone back to the car to meditate because I'm such a cliche because <laughs> um, I needed to get it in and I went over to watch the game yeah and I spent 10 minutes watching the wrong one as she was on the court behind me <laughs> so it happens in sobriety so mad as well woman. who is this woman <laughs> anyone know who she is and this is me as a sober mum yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But yeah, so it was. I mean, I just saw drink as my saviour through, yeah. through through those years of mothering my kids, um, especially on my own as a single mum. Yeah. Um, I, and I felt I had even more right to drink as a single mum because my life was even harder. <laughs> yeah, so it's those never-ending excuses again, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. All it is, that's all it is. It's like you, you're you passing the responsibility over to an unknown entity called an excuse. Yes. Isn't it? It's yeah. like you're passing over all, all of the... All of the Decision making to something that doesn't exist. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's just stupid. And, yeah. it's, and, and that 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 non-existent thing is saying it's okay. Yes, you're fine. Have a drink. Well done. Look at the puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Have a glass of wine. It's just our brains, and we can spend our whole lives blaming all of those things. But really, the responsibility when when you have to deal with it, yeah. like we have, it really comes down to to you know inside your own chest I think and doing the right thing and I mean I wasn't doing the right thing I may be laughing about it and telling my story but drinking heavily whilst you're bringing up your kids is not the right thing to do do you think it had a big impact on them Lucy I do think it did Um, I'm not as negative as I thought it would have I and I'll tell you why it's not as negative as I thought it would have is because they've seen me change my life turn it around and give up and I think that by doing that it's had a such a positive impact on them. I mean, I know it wasn't good, good to drink for all of those years. Um, and certainly when they were younger, um, they weren't impacted very much because I was so highly functioning, they didn't realise it. But now that they're teens, they were more aware of it. And also my my ex-husband, who they spend quite a lot of time with, he's also a big drinker. So mm. it was like, you know, not only have I got an addictive personality, he possibly has as well. He's These kids are watching us both drink. You know, someone, someone somewhere here has got to change this pattern yeah, for so them. The messaging there is is the wrong message. That they're very they're, wrong. The signal that's being pumped out of that that situation is is not the right message. It was totally wrong and some some someone had to do something. Yeah. Had to break that cycle that they were living through which was that it's okay to drink and it got to the point where they if I was on the phone to them they could recognize in my voice if I'd had one drink. I'd now just think it was your weird uh, foil that you got inside <laughs> your mouth. 
music. That is what I sounded like. It's an ulcer. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Okay, it was too on. upsetting. Yeah. Um, no, and and I annoyed them, and I and I scared them, and I started worrying them because they were worried about what what I would do next. Um, in the last few months of me drinking, I went out and um, fell off a wall, a bit like Humpty Dumpty. My friend said I was just like Humpty Dumpty. I was just sitting there, and I just fell sideways, and then started going forward and whacked my um, my head on the concrete pavement below on a corner of a, fl- a concrete corner of a flower bed went just above my eye and I had a massive black eye mm. and uh, my daughter had waited up um, for me to get in because she was so worried about me and I came home with a massive black eye yeah and you know that just wasn't fair no um, and there's she, a role reversal going on there there was there? Yeah. yeah and she started you know couldn't get to if I'd gone out for a drink she'd be worried mm. always worried she'd want me to come home and more often than not I wouldn't come home till the early hours so it just and I think I was by that point I was using alcohol as a, a, a sort of a self-harming yeah. way of because I knew it wasn't good for me but I couldn't seem to stop it and I was starting to hate myself for it so I just and you know Two teenage girls watching that. No, watching their mother give up on herself a bit. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely terrible for them to see. Yeah, but for them to then see me turn it around. Yeah, was, what an inspiration was. Yeah, and I think and and so to anybody listening, and this is what I really really want to get across, and that's why I'm sharing this because I'm not proud of it. It doesn't matter what age your kids are. It's never too late to give up. And my kids are so proud of me um, for what I've done. And I genuinely think that, I mean, I I would rather have not drunk through their childhood, but I genuinely think that by drinking through it and then showing them how you can actually turn your life around if you really want to, and the the difference it makes in a person between drinking and not drinking, they actually say, I'm happy now. That's Mm. how they describe it. I'm happy, whereas I wasn't before. So that gives them the message that alcohol makes you unhappy and not drinking makes you happy. So that's the message I've passed on to them. Mm. I'm super proud of it. And it wasn't too late. It was just before my eldest learned to drive. So I could have been getting lifts to the pub and everything. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) So that's that's my story. And it's out there to help people think it's never too late. Please do it if you can, because... It's it's amazing for your kids to see. I mean, it's so nice to have, you know, to now be that inspiration for them. I mean, they're going to always remember what you did and how, you know, and how you were so capable of change and that anyone is now capable of change. I mean, that's what I hope I'm giving my children as well. I hope I'm giving them a choice, whereas perhaps I felt like I didn't have much of a choice whether I drank or not drank when I was growing up. So I think giving them that choice now, like to yes. say, look, do is drinking fun or is it not fun? My children will see that I am fun. I yes. am a fun person. I do socialise and I do go out and have a good time and I don't drink. Mm. And that's the message I'm passing. They will never know me as a drinker, but I'm still capable of passing on a message to them to say, look, it's your choice what you do when you're older. But look at me like this is what I do. And this is what you do now, yeah. Lucy, as well is look, look at us. We're fine. We're happy, much happier than we've ever been in our lives. We don't have yeah. anxiety. Your depression's getting so much better. Oh, yeah. All of these things are changing because we've given up drinking alcohol. Yeah, so that is the basis. We've changed probably a few other things because of those things. But the basis is the same thing we've 
given up drinking and, and we it's changed talk, our lives. And we can talk to them very seriously about the effects of alcohol because we've been there. Yeah. So although we're non-drinkers, we've got so much knowledge to help them through that experience. And yeah. there's such a culture for kids to drink, which is really, really difficult for them. But there's mm. also this culture for mums as well, isn't there? It's yeah. what we call the mummy wine culture, which is just uh, uh, this, this massive thing that's going on in the world, which, like you said, Vic... It makes us think that because we're mums, we almost should be drinking. It's a cool thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, it really affects our kids. What What do you think? Well, I just think it's the wrong message. All of it is the wrong message. I was involved in mummy wine culture. Like I, I was the one with the massive, you know, space helmet sized glass of wine on Facebook, you know, mm. pouring beers down my neck. Every photo of me on Facebook, uh, I mean, for the last... 15 years is me with a glass of wine in my hand so I was I was pushing mummy wine culture it was culture. all you it was you, all me I invented it <laughs> I think I did you're the culprit I am I am the culprit I am the and sp- now you're trying to turn yeah. it all around this is your way yeah, of not feeling guilty yeah, anymore, what a hypocrite <laughs> <laughs> I almost hate myself uh, yeah so wummy, mu- what wummy, what mummy <laughs> wine culture does it normalizes drinking and it makes you think that drinking is the only way to have fun but something I discovered recently I was on someone else's podcast recently and we were talking about this exact thing about wine culture and she said do you think your children felt rejected when you were drinking and I thought about it and I thought yes I'm always I was always choosing wine over them yes. so my way of dealing with their bad behavior was to say you are annoying Therefore, I'm going to numb you out by drinking and I need to drink to be a good mum and to numb out your behaviour. So that was the message I was passing on with that. And I didn't really think about that until much later, until actually I'd stopped. So that you're creating a feeling of rejection within your children by drinking in front of them, I guess. And just something on that as well for when they get older, um, a lot of the time when they're going from A to B for their social life, what you're seeing now is a lot of parents are just giving kids Uber accounts so a stranger can drive them from A to B because they're too drunk to do it themselves or they're over the limit and they can't do it. What kind of message is that giving to your kids? You'd rather than be driven around at night by a stranger than not have a drink and go and do it yourself. The drink's more important. That's crazy, actually. I didn't Mm. know that that was a thing. Yeah, so yeah, it causes a lack of respect. It does, with, with, yeah. Within that relationship, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, so also safety is what you just talked about. I mean, hospital trips or something we, t- we talked about in the falling last podcast. Wall. Yeah, falling off wall, Blowing off drunk parents. I don't know whether that's a good look. Like in... I was probably embarrassing. I was slurring. I always had red wine teeth. I always had a big rash on my chest. And also was giving them the impression that I guess I didn't care about myself. Like, I don't care about myself. I'm going to make myself ill now. Because all they saw was the hangover. Like, they were very little, so they wouldn't remember it. But, you know, that's all they saw was, oh, mummy drinks something. I mean, I get, I'm guessing that's what would have gone through their brain mm. was like, mummy drinks something and it makes a hill. It's ill. So it would have looked like a, I was drinking a poison. Well, mum's doing something to harm herself. And that takes us yeah. back to the self-harm thing that I was talking about earlier. Such a big self-harm thing. Mm. That is really the wrong message. So really, I was affecting my well-being and my mental health um, by putting a toxic fluid into me it was like subliminal messaging like I'm saying look this is okay to do this whereas in fact I was numbing out the person that I truly am like my authenticity and my true self I was pretending to be someone else in order just to numb out everything because I couldn't handle the motherhood journey so yeah I, I regret doing all those things but but hey, I didn't it, know any better. And it was part of that mummy wine culture that we yeah. were talking about. It Such just a seemed huge like, like the, that. the thing to do. But so 
we've talked about why it was so difficult with that mummy wine culture and why it was so difficult because it was so, you know, the whole change in your life as a mother. But the fact is uh, we did give up drinking as parents, albeit at different times, and there were lots of really positive effects of that, weren't there, Vic? Um, yeah, so mine's definitely being present and available. That's mm. my big one. It's like if you need me on a Sunday, here I am. Here I am to wipe your bum, you know, get a bead out of your ear. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you want. Whatever it is, I'm here. I might not enjoy it. I'm not a perfect parent. Being sober does not make me a perfect parent. I shout and I do all sorts of terrible things, but I am present and available to witness my success and my failures. Mm. I think that's important to say. It's like it's never going to be perfect, but be, stopping drinking is going to make it more okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's so it's teaching them to see me without that wine mask and you know and that's what I love doing to my children saying look I am my true authentic self now my Sundays have changed I don't have to drink to be happy I care about myself and leading by example which is a huge one on this this is really what we're yes. talking about here by this impact is that now we can lead by example and say look this didn't work for us and now we've tried something else and this works so you should follow my lead. And hopefully that comes around with other people that we meet as well, Lucy, like hopefully this podcast as well. Like we're trying to lead by example and give a message here that, that giving up drinking is, is will be the best thing you could ever do to yourself. So yeah, just being, just being happier and happy mum, happy kids and making healthy choices and giving them that, that choice as they grow up. And to showing them that you don't have to drink when you go out to a party or an event, even yeah. if everyone else is drinking. Yeah. And that's something I'm, <laughs> you're really good at, uh, at role modelling that, but I'm yet yeah. to learn to do the social um, occasions as a yeah, sober so Lucy's person. needs her arse whipping in, <laughs> what in, is this, it? <laughs> in this scenario here, because I'm trying to drag her out to a trivia night in the next few weeks, but she's not having it. Yeah, what was it you said? Um, it is time. It is time, Lucy. <laughs> the time has come for you to start sober socialising, and it is going to happen. And I'm going to report back on this on this podcast about well, how we she's can doing. Talk about it, aren't we? I'm on literally going to drag you by your ankles to a sober social <laughs> evening because I was I was just telling Lucy I went away for the weekend on this writing retreat to finish my book, which is nearly finished. Everybody, it's called A Thousand Wasted Sundays, which is quite relevant to this topic today. Um, so, yeah, and I giggled the whole weekend. I had a lovely time. I socialised. I was around people that were drinking. I met lovely people and I just thoroughly was myself and I didn't feel any shame or anxiety. I mean, sometimes I get those sober hangovers the next day when I feel like, oh, God, even though I'm sober, I'm still acting like a dick. But <laughs> hey, that's just who you that's are. That's just who I am. I'm just a dick. <laughs> you said it. I, I didn't even need to say I'm embracing there. the dick. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, all right. Okay. I'll just talk about that. <laughs> oh, where were we? I have completely lost my train of thought on that. Oh, uh, on. Just remember, I am single, so things yeah. like that do throw me. Um, so, yeah, the, <laughs> the effects of giving up uh, drinking for me as a parent, um, and I... Uh, I just it's that role model thing, isn't it, really? Mm. And it's being able to role model to them what self-love is and what self-caring is and looking after yourself. And I'm able to now do that, which is is really, really good. Um, 
I'm super proud. I, I am just so proud of doing it at this stage. I think for you, Vic, you know, doing it when your kids are younger is obviously the most, it's the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, but I think being able to do it with two teenagers as a single mum is something to be proud of as I well. I do too. So, doing it anytime is amazing. Anytime. That's absolutely right. But, you know, I'd got to the point where I didn't think I was ever going to be able to do it. Mm. Um, and to have at least done it at the end of my kids' um, childhood. Well, not at the end. I mean, Ruby's only 15. Um, but you know to do it on that latter part of the childhood Um, in fact I don't even allow alcohol in the house anymore and my kids are at the age where a lot of parents do allow alcohol and I have in the past bought them alcohol if they've had a party now they know don't even ask the answer is no we never have a drop in the house they don't mind it at all they can Mm. go to their friends houses and have it we don't have it in our house. It's a clear boundary of where that is. And I, I, and they know. They know the trauma I went through mm-hmm. and they understand it and they respect it and they adore the new me. They love the little ho- hobbies I've got. They love my little knitting thing and yep. playing Scrabble and they love that they, they'll come home from a night out and mum's cuddled up on the couch watching something on Netflix. They love to know I'm going to be there and, and you're that safe. I'm safe. That you're safe. Yeah. I mean, that's huge, isn't it? Knowing that your mum is safe is a huge thing. Yeah. And yeah. And 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 imagine what it must feel like to not feel that your mum's safe. Yeah, I mean, was, that's, oh, that's awful. horrible. It feels chaotic just to even to think about it. It's horrible. Yeah. 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 So we've got a few tips and takeaways from the podcast today, uh, as we always do, because we like to give our little tips at the end. Yes, whether they're any good to whether anyone. Any good, yeah, yeah, everyone sure. probably tunes Actually, out we, about no, that. They don't. Not these crappy old tits. <laughs> Not the tits. We'll call them the tits. Then maybe we'll be <laughs> tuned in. It's all tits and dicks today, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Ooh. We're very sexual. Yes. Oh, dear. All right. Okay, you want to change start? is hard. Oh, no. It's, it's all sexually related now, isn't it? <laughs> Change is hard. Becoming a parent is hard. <laughs> you feel all sorts of emotions. Oh, you do you now? I know. I'm very hard. <laughs> I'm not. What is wrong with you? Are you on heat? <laughs> yeah, oh dear. Is it a full moon? And sometimes it feels like the only way to deal with them is to drink. Lucy and I will both tell you that alcohol is never the answer. It just makes things more complicated. So think before you drink, consider the consequences and then go and put the bloody kettle on. I could do with a cup of tea now. Oh, yeah, so could I. <laughs> um, and think about what your what message your drinking is giving to others. By having those well-deserved wines at the end of the day, are you subliminally, subliminally, can't say the word, telling your kids that alcohol is how you function or how you relax or how you deal with them being annoying? Ponder the impact because you might be amazed how much influence you're having on your children's squishy, absorbent brains. Even though your drinking might feel like the only way to escape the mundane, it might be doing more harm than good. Learn new ways to still be you. Go for breakfast instead of parties and just do more wholesome activities that don't involve puking sangria into pub toilets. Being wasted mums is not who we are. And I really think we can do better as mums than this wine culture, Lucy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just not a good look, is it? It's just anymore? not a good look. It was all right. You could get away with all that stuff in your 20s. It's yeah. no good anymore. Parenting and booze, when shoved together, curdle like out like out-of-date Baileys. Mm. <laughs> Yucky. Take it from us. Don't mix the two. It doesn't work. 
Remember, there is nothing worse than trying to parent with a hangover. Lying in bed when your life is going on without you is depressing, so don't do it. Get up, seize the day, and don't waste this precious time with your kids. So true. There will be many elbow-twisting events to come. Mummy wines at play dates, mother's group nights out and dinners with the kids. Just because all the other mums are drinking, it doesn't mean it's right. And the dads. I mean, there's a big dad beer culture here in Australia as well. So Mm. we're talking about the same thing. It doesn't mean you have to drink because everyone else is. Be weird like me and Lucy (laughs) and rebel against drinking culture. Be cool. Be cool. Like us. And weird. Um, yeah, because often you do go to a kid's party nowadays and there's there's heaps of alcohol Oh, yeah, there. I was at one the other day and they were drinking at like nine o'clock yeah. in the morning. Look at us as if we'd never done it. Those fuckers. <laughs> How disgusting. They disgust me. Though. Never we done We were that, them, ever. so we were allowed to say that. <laughs> um, okay. If you feel overwhelmed by parenting or by life in general and you're ending your days with alcohol, it might be time to reach out. As we always say, you don't have to be at rock bottom to deserve professional help. Don't be afraid. Getting help for your drinking habits will be the best thing you ever did for yourself and for your children. And remember, most importantly, it's never, ever too late. Lucy is proof that even if you don't feel like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you should never, ever give up on yourself. No matter how far gone you feel or how deeply ingrained your drinking might feel, you too can go on to have a full and happy, sober life. Yes, and I am that proof. Well done, Lucy. <laughs> Thank you. And the can crowd bow, goes wild. Will you bow down Woo. to me this evening instead of the other way around? Nope. Oh, God, <laughs> one day. And one last point. Please remember that mummy wine culture is a big old pile of bullshit. It's, it's just drinks companies trying to take advantage of vulnerable women. Drinking wine to numb out the parenting journey is a wrong message for mums and for kids. So don't be fooled by it. Yep, it's true. I've got a little quote from, uh, from a book today. It's by Claire Pooley. It says, all those little things that make you feel ashamed, we've done them too. All those fears that you have about quitting drinking, we were scared too. But we turned our lives around and you can too. This is a quote from Claire Pooley's book, The Sober Diaries. She left a stressful career to look after her family. She knew the change wouldn't be easy, but she never expected to find herself an overweight, depressed, middle-aged mother of three who was drinking more than a bottle of wine a day and spending her evenings Googling, am I an alcoholic? I loved this book. It was well worth a read. I really resonated. I'll add the notes into the uh, show notes. I'll yeah. add the, all the yeah, information. That would be a really helpful that. one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. Well done. I'm a little bit worried because I haven't heard it. I did hear that. a stomach rumble earlier halfway through. I don't know whether you would have been, but I could. I felt like I heard oh, a like. No. <laughs> oh, God. I Hopefully he's not being sick. I mean, I hey. haven't heard a sound from him. Alan, come in here. Come in the studio. Oh, he's coming. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, he's walking have funny. Have you been? He's walking funny. Are you all right? Yes. <laughs> he oh, looks he... like he's got a bit of colour he... in his cheeks again now. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time for you to reach out for help. 
Contact your local doctor, a therapist, or connect with a local AA or sobriety group. In fact, Vicky's got a really great one. Yeah, it's the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. You can just search for that on Facebook. Lucy and I will both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, then you can too. For more support around sobriety, head to my website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've loved the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, give a review and share it with your mates. But don't worry, we won't be angry if you don't. I might be a bit angry, Lucy. Can't say that. They won't mind. No, it's just rude. Hi there, I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out 
all my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folk. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 